0: Hi everyone, I'm Cheryl Butler and you're listening to the Mighty Mommy's Quick and Dirty Tips podcast, which will help make your life as a parent a little bit easier and a lot more fun. Welcome! Today's episode is number 540, How to Cope with Your Child's Night Terrors. Now, maybe you can relate to a scenario similar to this. You've had a super busy day at work, an unexpected flat tire and then a no-show with the babysitter. Oh, at long last, you're finally in bed. And just as you're drifting off to sleep, a blood-curdling scream jolts you awake. You run to your child's bedroom to find her flailing and shrieking in absolute fear. No, the scariest monster of all time isn't hiding in her closet. It's more likely a frightening experience that many parents face. Night terrors in children. If so, you're going to want to hear from my expert guest today, Dr. Jade Wu, QDT's new savvy psychologist, who's going to join me to discuss this scary but common condition. Dr. Wu is a clinical psychologist who specializes in health psychology. In the clinic, she uses evidence-based treatments to help patients improve their health and cope with illness. In the lab, she conducts research on the role of sleep in chronic health conditions. So today, she's sharing her expertise on night terrors or sleep terrors in children. I'm so excited that you're joining us today. Jade, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, listen, we've got a brand new school year about to begin. Parents are starting to transition their families from the laid-back summer mode to a more structured back-to-school routine. Mm -hmm. And part of this new schedule includes getting our kids into a healthier bedtime and sleep routine. Mm -hmm. The benefits of sleep are manyfold. And think about how great you feel after you've had a wonderful full night's sleep. You're more energized, less cranky, and you feel ready to take on the day. So getting adequate sleep helps your body ward off illness and bad moods. For kids who may face any type of sleep difficulties, that's not always easy, though. One such concern that many kids face when sleeping are night terrors. And that's different than a nightmare. So today, Jade is going to start by offering her professional insight on this condition, which will help put an anxious parent's mind to rest. So, Jade, let's start with
2: the definition. What exactly is a night terror? A night terror is, first of all, a very scientifically fascinating, but really, uh, awful experience, I think, for parents to watch. Basically, it's a brief episode when someone seemingly suddenly wakes up from sleep and they look terrified. Um, they're crying, they're screaming, what people describe as this blood-curdling cry. Their heart rate is up, they seem short of breath, their whole body is really tense or flushed, um, and sometimes they're talking incoherently about threats or they're, they seem to be warding off monsters, and they can seem like they're awake, but they're confused and not really able to communicate. So this usually lasts only a few minutes and very rarely can last up to about half an hour or more. And then they go back to sleep as if nothing happened, and they usually don't even remember having the night terror by the next morning.
0: Oh, that is scary, especially for the parents, because they're the ones watching.
2: So what is the difference, then, between a night terror and a nightmare? That is a great question, because I think those two things are often confused with each other. So. A nightmare is something we've probably all experienced. It's a vivid and scary dream that is sometimes so intense, it wakes us up. And once we're awake, we're fully awake and usually left with some memory of the dream that we could describe to someone or, or recount. On the other hand, a night terror does not involve any dreaming. Even though they seem, the person seems to have woken up out of something scary, they didn't actually have a nightmare and they're not really awake either when this is happening and they do not remember the next day. And another major difference is that night terrors usually happen during the first half of the night and nightmares usually happen during the second half. This is because uh, rapid eye movement sleep, or also known as REM sleep, mostly happens during the second half of the night. And this is the stage where dreaming happens. So if you were to have a nightmare, it would happen during the second half of the night.
0: That is so interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, Jade, what age do night terrors typically begin?
2: So night terrors are pretty common in kids. The estimates vary, but about 3% of kids between the ages of 4 and 12 are affected. And some estimates have said that this could could be even more frequent in toddlers, but the more consensus opinion is that preschool and early school years are the most common for kids to start getting night terrors.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, what about adults? Can this happen to an adult?
2: Yes, it can. It's very rare, though. So probably less than 1% of us adults experience night terrors. And in adults, It's usually something you can put your finger on. It's like alcohol or sleep deprivation or having another medical or psychiatric condition that's bringing on the night terrors. Are kids aware that they're experiencing a night terror? It's really hard to say. So they almost never remember the experience by the morning and they don't seem bothered by the experience. So like, you know how sometimes if even if you don't remember the details of a nightmare, The scary linger flavors the morning after, like, I kind of feel like I had a nightmare and it kind of sucks, but I don't know what exactly happened. Exactly. Yeah. So that only happens for nightmares. This does not happen for kids with night terrors. By the next morning, there's no lingering problems. They're not scared. They don't even know it happened. Um, And during the night terror episode, they're not fully awake, which we know from studies that measure brain activity during night terrors. So I know it looks like they're having the worst time of their life, but mm. they may not actually be aware at all. Um, so that's why I actually think that it's not a good idea to keep talking about it with kids during the day. Like you don't have to make it a big secret, like no one can ever mention night terrors, but try not to badger your kids about it. Try to try to get them to remember because they might just get anxious about this thing that they don't remember and can't help anyways.
0: That is great advice because my children, I've never experienced this with, but I know I have friends that have. And I think sometimes, you know, sometimes they do want to talk it through the next day because a lot of times talking is supposed to be, you know, get get your feelings out and everything. But a a (laughs) three-year-old might not want to have to rehash that. Right, Um, right.
2: And they don't know what you're talking about anyway. So it just gets confusing.
0: Yes, that's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that leads me to my next question: Are night terrors
2: dangerous? They are not dangerous in and of themselves. So, having a night terror does not do damage. However, sometimes persistent night terrors can be a sign that something else is wrong, and that often is sleep-disordered breathing. So, sleep-disordered breathing—exactly what it sounds like—is when people have trouble breathing when they're asleep. So, one example is obstructive sleep apnea. Which is where the airway is blocked for a number of seconds at a time during sleep. Um, so long that the, the oxygen in the, in the brain starts to go down. And so then the person has to wake up in order to breathe. So this has very serious health consequences. And the good news is that in both adults and kids, this is very treatable. So in kids, when apnea gets treated, um, often that's with tonsillectomy or adenoidectomy, the night terrors will also go away. So you can always check with your pediatrician about getting a sleep study for your kid to, you know, rule out any of these other sleep problems. Of course, sometimes the cause for night terrors is not sleep disorder breathing, and it's not something that we can really put our finger on. And in that case, I wouldn't really worry about it because as long as kids eventually outgrow the night terrors and stop having them, you know, having had them is not associated with any long-term psychological or, or medical problems. Is there anything that predisposes a child to night terrors? So this is a very hereditary thing, very genetic. Um, so if either of the kid's biological parents had night terrors or similar sleep problems, he is 10 times as likely as other kids to have night terrors. And if both biological parents had it, the kid will probably end up having night terrors as well. So this, unfortunately, we can't really help. But like I mentioned, having a sleep disorder, breathing disorder, is uh, the main thing that we can help when it comes to night terrors. So, you know, if you can rule those out or diagnose those and treat those, that would be really great.
0: This information is so helpful. And now I want <laughs> to get to a question that I know parents are, are really anxious to know. Uh-huh. How can they help their children when a night terror occurs?
2: Yeah, so this is going to be a little hard to hear, um, but there's not too much parents can do in the moment. So in fact, trying to interact with your child or trying to wake her up when she's having a night terror can make it worse and more intense or even last longer. So do not try to wake up or restrain your child. Um, instead, I would recommend, you know, staying calm, letting them be, not fussing with them, and just keeping an eye to make sure they don't fall out of bed or otherwise hurt themselves. And to help yourself, because frankly, the parent is going to be the one who needs more help in that moment because it can be really scary and anxiety provoking to watch this. Um, oh, sure. So to, yeah, like I probably it's harder for parents than kids, like you said. So in that moment, I would say remind yourself that this is not harmful and that your kid is not going to remember or be traumatized or damaged by this experience.
0: Okay, good. So basically, mm-hmm. as long as we know our child is safe, they're not going to fall yes. out of bed and, and hurt themselves or exactly you know, uh, crack their head on something, that type of thing, then let it run its course. And usually you said that's just a few moments. Yeah, it's
2: usually a few seconds. Hmm. Okay. Yep.
0: Oh, that's oh, sorry. i sorry. I meant
2: a few minutes not a few, a few seconds. Minutes. Okay. Yeah. Hmm.
0: So that leads me to my next question. Are there any steps that can help prevent night terrors?
2: Yeah, well, if you're an adult who experiences night terrors, decrease your stress if you can, make sure you get enough and regular, consistently timed sleep, and definitely drink less alcohol, especially close to bedtime. So those are pretty um, basic kind of sleep hygiene things for adults. Now, if your kid has night terrors, I would recommend also making sure that they get enough sleep and trying your best to keep them to a consistent bedtime and bedtime routine. So same bedtime, you know, each night as best as you can manage, like a pretty calming routine um, that's also the same each day. Um, also cut caffeinated drinks from your kid's diet. If the sleeping environment is too noisy or too stimulating, like if there's a TV in their room, try to remove those things and give them a quiet, calm environment to sleep in. You can also talk to your pediatrician to review your child's medications to see if any of those such as stimulants uh, may be contributing. And I would say if your child routinely has night terrors at a certain time in the night, like uh, I think our editor, Karen, was talking about a kid that she knew who like clockwork at every morning at 1 a.m. would have a night terror, right? Yes. Um, yes. If this happens, you can plan to gently wake up your kid shortly before the expected time. So a few minutes before, maybe at 1245, at 1250, and just letting them be quiet and gently awake for a few minutes and then quietly putting them back to sleep without making a big hubbub about it. Just, you know, maybe have them have a glass of water and like quietly sit with them for a bit. Um, and sometimes this can head off an episode.
0: Wow. So that's pretty much though, if you know, They are predictable at the same time every night. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. That is great to know. Um, Mm -hmm. Is this something Jade
2: that kids typically outgrow? Absolutely, yes. So night terrors are pretty much considered a childhood sleep disorder among sleep specialists. It's rare for even a teenager or anyone older than that to have them, and even rarer for them to have uh, for people to have night terrors regularly after childhood. So um, if you're an adult and you have night terrors frequently, talk to your doctor about getting a sleep study to see if something else is going on. It might be a side effect of medications you're taking or due to another psychiatric or sleep condition. But yeah, I would say most kids outgrow this by the time they're adolescents.
0: That's good to know. I know sometimes, uh-huh. though, when the parents are going through it, they're hoping that that is going to happen uh-huh. a lot quicker than than months or could it go on for
2: years? Ah, uh, that is possible. But I think that's relatively rare. That's good. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is good to know. Yeah.
0: Is there any other additional information you think might be helpful that we haven't talked about that the Mighty Mommy listeners would like to know about?
2: Yeah. Um, so f- kind of an interesting fact is that night terrors are actually very similar to sleepwalking. They're actually considered to be in the same category of sleep disorders. So aside from the blood-curdling, screaming part and the fending off monsters part, most of what we said about night terrors in kids applies to sleepwalking in kids, too. Like the fact that it's pretty common in kids, the fact that they usually outgrow the problem by adolescence, that it's not inherently harmful, and that you should not try to interact with them or wake them up during the episode. And also, if you want to prevent sleepwalking or night terrors, similarly, you would want to make sure your kid has enough sleep and regular sleep and just make sure that their environment is safe. Like if you have a sleepwalker, it might be even more important to like lock doors or, you know, have, have sort of gentle environment in the bedroom so that they can't bang their heads on a sharp corner when they're walking.
0: This has been so interesting, and you've shared (laughs) lots of helpful information. Thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Oh, it's it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having
0: me. For more Savvy Psychologists, you can visit quickanddirtytips.com slash savvy-psychologist or download the podcast wherever you listen. How have you coped with night terrors? Please share your thoughts in the comments section at quickanddirtytips.com slash mighty-mommy. Or you can post your ideas on the Mighty Mommy Facebook page. Or you can also email me at mommy at quickanddirtytips.com. And before I leave you, here's a quick preview of what's coming up next week. Do you have a parenting style that you resonate with? You're probably familiar with the term helicopter parenting and maybe the free-range parenting. Well, now we have some new styles to talk about, like the lawn mower and the snowplow parent. It's a brand new school year. What will your parenting style be this year? I hope you'll subscribe to the Mighty Mommy podcast through your favorite platform so you'll get notified when this episode is available. As always, thanks so much for listening. And until next time,
1: happy parenting. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn